Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers and aunts and grandmas and aunties and all the lovely motherly figures that we have in our lives today. Now, we are thankful for you and blessed by you. And I've got some stories about my mom later on. But before we get there, I want to start off this morning by uh, showing you something that I think will bring you lots of joy. Uh, it's something that uh, fills my heart quite often. And it's a picture that is just so full of love and excitement and, and lots and lots of energy. It's actually a picture of someone from my family who, though he looks a little funny, I still love him very much. Uh, yeah, see, I told you, it's going to bring you lots of joy, right? Uh, this is a picture of my wife and I, seven-month-old golden doodle Benson. And I just took this picture this weekend because he just got a haircut, so it looks really good. And I mean, isn't that smile just full of so much love, right? And I'm not going to tell you what happened after this photo was taken because I don't want to ruin this moment. But uh, part of the reason I showed you that is to hopefully bring you a little more joy than you're already experiencing on this celebratory and exciting day. And alongside that, I wanted to show you that photo because I couldn't help but see uh, the relationship between what Jesus is teaching us in, his, in this story this morning and uh, some of the similarities when it comes to training a puppy. Now, uh, I'd be lying if I said a lot of this or my knowledge about puppy training was my own. Lauren is Benson's main trainer, and so she tells me what to watch and what to read and how to do things. And so I guess she's kind of my trainer too, right? And uh, you know what they say, happy wife, happy life. So things are good. But uh, one of the most important things that I've learned uh, when it comes to puppy training is voice recognition. Uh, that from the way you enunciate your words to how loud you are and how soft you are, your tone, the pitch, the sound, that everything matters so that your puppy knows your voice. And one of the biggest challenges for me is being consistent with my delivery. That I have to remember to say his name clearly and not go too high or too low and don't combine too many commands because then it gets confusing. And all of this is important because the more the puppy understands your voice, the more likely they are to listen to you. The, the more consistent you are, the more familiar they become with your voice. And when your voice is familiar, when they know it really well, when it's so recognizable, it's fair to say that it changes everything. And in a similar way, that's what Jesus teaches us this morning. And, and he doesn't call us his puppies. Instead, he calls us his sheep. He says, uh, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice and they follow me. And when Jesus speaks today, he says something so simple and yet so incredibly powerful. See, today, Jesus claims us as his own. But don't take it from me. Listen closely as he speaks. See, in our story, uh, it's the season of winter for the people of Israel. And uh, they're gathering for another feast, the Feast of the Dedication, as it's called in Scripture. And this is, like many other feasts and festivals, one that is passed down for time over time by generation upon generation to celebrate this wonderful thing that took place. Now, uh, you may not know the Feast of Dedication by that name because you're probably used to hearing it called the Festival of Lights or Hanukkah. That's right. Uh, the people this morning are celebrating Hanukkah, and uh, the celebration of Hanukkah takes them way, way back to a time when things actually weren't so good in Israel, that uh, the temple had been overrun, uh, that the, the leader, Antiochus IV Epiphanes, had desecrated the temple. He made a mockery of it. He built all these altars up in it and basically was pushing the people of Israel out of it. He'd ruined it, but they didn't give up. 
the people of Israel fought back and they pushed back until they won the temple, that they rededicated the temple back to God. They reconsecrated it as a place of worship. And so the festival of Hanukkah is a wonderful celebration of this victory that the people can claim and that they can go back and they can continue to worship. So 200 years later, the people are gathering once again to celebrate this festival, except this time things are a little different. Not only are they celebrating the festival of the dedication, the, the reconsecration of the temple, they are hoping that the Messiah, the, the one that they've been worshiping this whole time, that their ancestors have been waiting for, is now in their midst. And so now they're gathered around Jesus, the one who claims to be the Messiah, and they say to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And uh, could you imagine being in their shoes? That uh, you're celebrating this wonderful festival that over 200 years of celebrations can be traced back. And yet now, there's a chance that in your midst is the fulfillment of your celebration. The fulfillment of all the reasons why you worship. The reason that you fought so hard that your ancestors did all those fighting and all those things to get this temple back. It's all going to be fulfilled if Jesus is the Messiah. So imagine him being there and the anticipation. All the suffering, all the waiting. It would have been over if Jesus really was the Messiah. And of course, we know that he is, but the people didn't see it that way. And you hear that as you listen to what Jesus says. He responds saying, I have told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you are not part of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, uh, if you remember what the people asked, they were very specific in their words to Jesus. They said, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Uh, they want, what they're asking for here, this idea of telling us plainly, Jesus, just be honest with us. Uh, tell us straight up, or as the youth would say, come on, Jesus, no cap. If you really are the Messiah, just tell us. Reveal it to us already. We just want to know, right? Uh, we want to trust, we want to believe, we want the waiting to be over. And then Jesus is very clear in his answer. In fact, he answers them in two very specific ways. Uh, the first thing he says is, I told you, and you do not believe. And of course, this is reference to what he's been doing. I've been teaching in the temple. I've been going around to the synagogues. I've been telling you that I am the Messiah, that I am the one who was sent. The prophets of old testified about me, and I'm telling you this again, but you don't believe. And then he adds on to it. He, he breaks it down into a second part of an answer. He says, the works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe. That not only have you heard what I've said in the synagogue, but you've seen what I've done. You've watched the miracles happen. You, you were at the wedding in Cana. You watched as people were raised to life. You've seen all these things, but you just don't believe. The works that I do testify that I am who I say I am, and you don't believe. And then Jesus tells them why. He, he says, you don't believe because you are not part of my sheep. And I, I want to provide a little context around how this is all being heard. Because earlier in John chapter 10, right before this text, Jesus is, of course, once again doing the speaking that he's talking about here. So he's preaching to the people, and he says earlier in John 10, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. 
And he goes on to to preach and teach about what it means for the good shepherd to lay down his life. Uh, The good shepherd stays behind when the sheep are being being attacked by the wolves. and, And all this beautiful imagery about what the Messiah would do as the good shepherd. And yet at the end of this section, right before the celebration of Hanukkah, this is what scripture says to us. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words, because of Jesus saying he is the good shepherd. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and he is out of his mind. Why listen to him? Others were saying, these are not the words of the one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Right, so uh, it's clear that when they hear Jesus' answer, there's some serious division over this, that the people are absolutely hearing what he's saying and seeing what he's doing and yet they're not witnessing the exact same things they're they're seemingly missing the point and so again they're confronting jesus tell us plainly and jesus says i've already done that i've told you plainly but you don't believe because you are not part of my sheep and i found it helpful to kind of think about it this way i I think what's happening here is that the people just aren't listening closely Now, uh, did you know that uh, listening is something that we are able to do from about 18 weeks after we are conceived? That uh, scientifically speaking, around 18 weeks is when uh, a baby can hear internally uh, sounds inside their mother's womb, like her heartbeat. And studies have shown that sometime around six to seven months or so, babies are able to start discerning outside sounds like voices or music. And uh, maybe you've done this before, but I'm sure you've seen it in a movie or a TV show where uh, people like uh, mother or father or other family members and, you know, those real awkward moments like that random friend who comes up and talks to the pregnant mom's belly. But like uh, there's some clarity there that there's something special about the ability to listen. And I think it's fair to say that we've been listening far longer than we can remember. But... From the moment we are born, listening actually becomes a little bit different. That uh, once we are born, we are hearing things first, not necessarily listening. That there are just a lot of sounds happening. The, the monitor is beeping in the room, all the voices, the celebration, the cries from mom and baby, maybe even from dad hitting the floor. I mean, you've got all these sounds that happen. And we can't really discern them, but they're just happening. But eventually, at a certain point, listening starts to take place. And listening to something is different than just hearing it because that sound starts to become familiar. That when you're listening to something, you're really trying to tune in. You you can discern what is making that sound. And it becomes so familiar that you can choose it out amongst all other sounds that are happening around you. And I know for me, uh, one of the things that is uh, most familiar, a sound that I know so well, is my mom's voice. I know my mom's voice, and I would even say that if her voice was played in a crowd or something like that, that I would be able to pick it out, no questions asked. And the thing about it is, my familiarity with my mom's voice comes from the fact that I've been listening to it far longer than I can remember. Now, I haven't always listened closely, but I listen. And I listened so often that over time it became so regular and familiar that not only was I able to hear what she was saying, but I could tell how she was feeling or even what she was doing. That then here's the thing. Generally speaking, my mom's voice is pretty pleasant, pretty joyful, and it's just always full of love. But love sounds very different depending on the context. Uh, for example, when she was yelling at me to clean my room, 
It was kind of a you better get to it or else kind of love. And her voice sounded a little bit different when she was cheering for me at soccer games. It was kind of like move your butt run faster kind of love. And well, I think you get the point, right? When we are familiar with someone's voice, we listen closely and we trust it. We know it so well it becomes so familiar and we believe when it speaks to us. So whose voice are you listening to? Uh, what are the voices in your life that you've become so familiar with that you just know them so well? Hopefully, I mean, at least once a week, you're listening to your pastor's voices. But throughout your lives, you are going to hear so many voices. Uh, in our world today, there are so many voices that are just clamoring for your attention, that they just want you to listen. So many voices that want you to hear them and to follow, to listen to everything that, that they're said. And I think one of the hardest things for us to do is to discern which voices we should listen to, which voices we should be familiar with, and which ones we shouldn't. Because as I said, the more you listen to a voice, the more familiar it becomes. And the more familiar that voice becomes, the more likely you are to trust that voice, to want to keep listening to it. And the more you keep listening, the more you keep trusting, the more likely you are to believe what that voice says to you. And the truth is, uh, whether it's uh, the voice of your favorite news anchor or podcast or radio show host or uh, your favorite politician or even your favorite preacher, that every voice is not a voice that you should be listening to. Because as you probably know by now, every voice doesn't have your best interests in mind. Every voice doesn't desire what's best for you. Every voice that you listen to doesn't love you. Not every voice that you listen to is a voice that you want to be familiar with. And yet, when you're listening to a voice that is familiar, that you shouldn't be listening to, I feel like it's so hard to actually stop listening. For me personally, uh, this has been one of the hardest struggles in the midst of my struggle with depression. That uh, listening to all different kinds of voices of telling me what I should think and what I shouldn't think, how I should feel and what I shouldn't feel, what I should do and what I shouldn't do, that all these voices clamoring for my attention, and it's really hard to figure out which ones to listen to and which ones to ignore. And more often than I like to admit, I listen to the ones that I shouldn't. And yet... In the midst of that, in the midst of the wrestling and all the other voices, eventually there's seemingly a time where they just go quiet. And then there's only one voice that speaks. In the midst of my failures and my weaknesses, it's the voice that has been calling out to me longer than I can remember. The voice of Jesus. And Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus claims us as his own. Jesus says, I know my sheep. I know them so well. I know everything about them. I know what makes them happy, and I know what makes them sad. I know what they doubt. I know uh, how often they fail to follow me. I know their fears, their pains, their greatest joys, and their deepest sorrows. I know it all. I know my sheep. And here's what I do for my sheep. I lay down my life for my sheep. 
I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one, nothing can snatch them from my hand. I have the power to lay my life down and the power to take it back up. I have defeated death and the grave. I am alive. I am the good shepherd. That is what Jesus says to us. That is what the voice of Jesus sounds like. Those are his words to me and to you. Those are his promises to you. That is what he says because you are one of his sheep. Jesus claims you as his own. And if you're wondering where you can find the voice of Jesus, where to look, what it sounds like, You can go to the places where he speaks to you, where he tells you that your sins are forgiven, where he says, "Uh, this is my body, this is my blood, given and shed, poured out for you, because I love you. He speaks to us in his word. The word that goes with us, that he has implanted in our hearts and that dwells richly within us. And he wants you to listen closely as he speaks. He wants you to be so familiar with his voice that you always know that you are listening to him because you are one that he claims as his own sheep. You are one whom he loves. And the voice of Jesus is one that will never stop speaking into your life. And because you're one of his sheep, when he speaks, you know it and you follow. And if you've been following other voices, guess what? Jesus is still speaking to you. Jesus is still calling out to you because he will never stop chasing you down because his love never stops. He is the good shepherd and he has laid his life down for you. And that goes on into eternity. He's still speaking out to you, still calling for you so that you know his voice and you follow. You know, one of the... uh, best pieces of advice I've ever received in life actually came from my dad. He said, uh, listen to your mother. (laughs) And I'm thankful uh, for my mom that I'm so familiar with her voice, and I'm even more thankful that she used her voice to point me to the voice of Jesus, to teach me about what it looks like to follow and to listen closely, to know when Jesus speaks. My hope is that uh, Jesus uses you to do the same, uh, to share his love and his promises with others, even to deliver his forgiveness that you have received, that we receive because we are his sheep, that together we point others back to Jesus because they too will hear his voice and they will follow. Because when Jesus speaks, he claims us as his own. And when he speaks... On that last day, you will hear him call your name. Once again, reminding you, saying these things, he will say to you, I love you, and you are mine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we continue in worship, I invite the congregation to stand as we confess our faith together.